0: Am I on now? It <laughs> doesn't take much to please these folks. <laughs> if you can hear me, there yay! Hey! Okay, so crazy love. No men are allowed to have any kind of crazy love for God, only the women. No, 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 that's just, they're doing it, and uh, maybe it'll spread, who knows. Book's been out for a while, by the way. Um, I'm looking for a piece of paper because, yes, I found it. Several things I want to do. We've been um, sharing people's stories with you as a congregation. One of our problems is uh, we don't know everybody. Anybody here know everybody in the room? See, how did I know that? And uh, we want to get to know each other more. It's better if you grab somebody and say, hey, let's hang out. Let's get a cup of coffee. That's a good way to do it because then they'll tell you more than they'll tell you up here. But I'm going to have some people come up here uh, to tell you a little bit about themselves. Last week we heard a little about, uh, Alyssa McGrail. I'm glad you guys are here. I didn't know if you'd be here today. I was very moved as I listened in on the podcast. Found out that boys are filthy animals. That's what sets. Wow. And, uh, that's a discovery. And being one, I would, being one, I would agree. Um, I love this one line. She asked, "Do I want God for what He gives me, or because of who He is?" That's a great question, isn't it? I think a lot of times it's, uh, "Bless me, Lord, make sure everything's perfect," and uh, then I may, uh, you know, give you a few bucks and go to church or whatever. But it's really, "What about Him?" And I think that's some of the idea Francis Chan was talking about as well. So, by the way, does anybody know about him? He left his. He built a huge church. And left it because he got tired of everybody being, I'll I'll put it my way because I've used this before, consumer Christians. You know, we come to church, oh, bless me, Uh, feed me, feed me, feed me. We're overfed. There's a too low a ratio of obedience to the knowledge that we have. We have all this knowledge. This is why once in a while I say radical things. I'm probably one of the worst pastors you've ever encountered, right? I'll actually tell you, stop doing so many things for God because you're not actually doing them for God. You're doing them to please other people or yourself or whatever, and you're killing yourself in the process. So I'll say things like that. I'll also say things like, you need to stop reading so many things or listening to so many Christian things because you're not able to process it and make it live out in your DNA, right? So enough radicalizing. This isn't the sermon yet. This is just free. So anyway, that was uh, Alyssa. That was so much fun. Uh, I'm sure three more months, four, three, three more, right? And we'll keep praying. And uh, I emailed her and she responded, which was very nice on her busy schedule. I thought That's great. It was fun. Anyway, I'm having a good time. Sorry about you people. Anyway, one of the struggles we've had at Harmony, uh, I've been here four and a half years. Can you believe that? I know everyone's thinking, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's like, what was that? I heard the groans, so I know it was nasty. Feels like 10. Dean, you're the chairman of the MLT. Would you strangle him for me right now? So it feels, yeah, everyone's saying, um, yeah, it feels like he's growing mold by now. It's getting pretty boring, right? So um one of the things that I was encouraged about or... Challenged about when I first got here was we had lost our entire leadership team, for those of you who don't know. We had some rough water. And um, so there's been pressure to reestablish an elder board because most churches operate that way. Biblically, that looks like the right pattern, uh, although I'm not a hyper-legalist on those kind of things, and I don't think it's good to be, but we are trying to do that, and I've been, I've been the one holding back. And... Um, let me say several things about it. One, we've invited people to ponder, consider, pray into it and been turned down multiple times. My question for us as a congregation would be why? If you're a person who is sitting here thinking, uh, a brother, and I, how come you've never asked me? Ask me. I'll tell you why I haven't asked you or why I didn't notice you or whatever. But if you've got a hunger to help shepherd the flock, because that's what the job is for, and I'll be blunt, I'm tired of making most of the decisions myself. Uh, having a spiritual team around me would be a very helpful thing. I'm grateful for the pastoral staff I have. By the way, we're amazingly blessed that way, right? Uh, Derek and, and Pastor Tim, both of them helping him covering last week. I made a decision after hearing the response from last week. He can never preach again. Or I'm just, I'm, I'm too jealous. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, there's nothing more exciting than to have other staff members succeed and do well. That's the way it ought to be. So um, this has been a tough thing. So. Moving ahead, my brother Derek, who I hired to help me with administration, like keeping my, keeping me on... I have ADD, I've told you that a million times, and I'll get off track. And so he's been trying to keep me on track, right, Derek? I, so, thank you. <laughs> thank you. See, because that just confirms that what I said was the truth. That's all good. You're fired. Anyway... Um, <laughs> that was my line that's my line you can't have my line so anyway we'll be introducing you to more people not Derek or or Tim anymore but uh, and uh, we're looking at starting very small Derek would naturally I think fall into the elder category most of us would agree with that but being on staff he can't be a voting elder so, we're trying to move ahead with a, a couple of lay elders. So, I've got two people that, whose names will be in the bulletin in order to fill, out of f- that. Might be fix my, get everybody out. There. In order to fix, uh, uh to be in, in, uh, compliance, that's the word, um, by May, when we have our annual meeting, uh, our two names would be Gene, who has stayed with us, uh, Bozik, and you, you all know who he is. And, and if he wants to share a little bit sometime, not this morning, because I'm going to run out of time. I can tell already. Uh, and the other person I approached a while back, and he and his wife have been on duty on a regular basis, week after week after week. If you haven't met them, it's because you've avoided them. I don't know how else to put it. You've literally had to avoid them. And that's the Vitulises. Are they in the room? Where are you guys? Hi, Cindy. <laughs> I'm saying hi to you. Somebody else. Where's the video? Oh, hi, guys. Stand up so everybody can Everybody know Angie? Yeah, she's the welcome lady among many of you, helping lead that team. And Steve, if you would come on up, I'm going to ask him a few questions. Um, I, I We planned this ahead. I said I'm going to ask you the following questions because there's nothing like being put on the spot to humiliate a person, right? I didn't want to do that to him, right? This is Steve Vitulis, glad to have you up here, brother. Let me ask you just to share with our congregation really briefly how you came to faith. All right, That would be important, don't you sure. think?
1: Yeah. I want to start by saying we did go through these questions and I thought, how do I rehearse this? And I thought, you don't rehearse questions like this. You let the Lord take it. So that's the way it's going to work. Um, I grew up in a a house. I'm going to make the short version because we don't have the hour. Um, A house where my mother was a Lutheran, my father was Jewish, and their strategy was figure it out on your own. So I grew up not having a God in my life at all and not needing a God in my life. And I got to college in the 70s and did everything that the kids in the 70s did. And although I did all those horrible, terrible things, I had this annoying feeling that this wasn't right. Uh, Angel and I were married at 20. We moved to Virginia. My then new father-in-law was a new on-fire Christian who began preaching to me, none of which I wanted to hear. And he said, the day's going to come where God's going to grab you and you're not going to have any choice. And I, I blew that off. But one day I was sitting in our apartment in Virginia, and I had never opened or seen a Bible in my life. And something said, open that book. And I opened it, and I just did one of these and started to read, and it just grabbed me. And I realized my father-in-law was right, that when God's ready for you, he grabs you, and you have that choice, and I made the choice. And there was a church right across the street from where we lived. We didn't have any clue what it was, but we both decided, well, might as well start there. turned out it was the Disciples of Christ Church, Quickly I said, I need to be baptized, I need to do this, I need to do this, and the Lord did just grab me, and it's been a journey and on fire ever
0: since. Amen. How cool is that, right? (laughs) Another wild hippie. We're in trouble. Okay, (laughs) second question I had. You were in a church before, and uh, just tell us how come you were there, left there, and ended up, why did you park at Harmony Baptist Church? All right.
1: Um, When we moved to Middletown, we found a church that we felt very comfortable in. We were there for 32 years. We were young, 20-somethings, and being that, we were dragged into every, every possible ministry they had, and we did it lovingly and joyfully. And time was it was good it was a good time we raised our family there the church was thriving for a while and then it got to a point where we felt that man's will was greater than God's will that was the the, the sentiment we started to get and some of us in leadership tried our best to get things back on track and it seemed that it was a, a steady decline and as gut-wrenching as it was as hard as it was, prayerfully. We, God never told us to leave, but he, we got to the point where he allowed us to leave and said it's okay. And we didn't just walk out the door. We told everybody lovingly why we were leaving, why we felt we had to. Few people understood. A lot of them didn't. And we continued to pray for them, so it was a real struggle. And we spent a little over a year visiting churches throughout Orange County as far as New Pauls, feeling some of them were good, some of them, you know, just we weren't called. And one day I said, well, wait, maybe we should visit Harmony. And Angela actually said, we had known that something went on here. We didn't know what it was. We didn't care. But Angela said, why would we want to go from one dead church to another? <laughs> because that's what we heard. That's what we heard on the streets. So, But I said, I said we're getting to the bottom of the list. Let's try it. <laughs> well, we walked in the door, and crazy as it sounds, uh, funny as it is, the first person who was at the door greeting was Betty Placchino, and I've known Betty for years uh, professionally through dentist office, and that was just like, okay, that's cool, we know somebody. The second person we met, you can probably guess in a second, was Bill Adams, <laughs> yay, and within, within minutes we were introduced to everybody there was, and we, we didn't automatically sit here and say this is the church, but Pastor John was vetting at the time with all the questions and the answers, and something just spoke to us. So we said, well, let's go back again. It was the first church we said we'll go back to again. So second time, third time. Then we realized that this wasn't a church that was dying. It was a church that wanted to live. Yeah. So we said, all right, we can be part of that, and we want to be part of that. And we're still here. Two Tune- and a half years later.
0: Yeah, you told me it's been a good journey here.
1: Oh, it's been a great journey here. We really feel that there, the Spirit's doing something here. We sense it, we see it in other people, and... We're, we're thrilled to be part of it. and can't wait to see what happens.
0: So you're open to being at least... I mean, you guys have to decide who's going to sit over leadership for you guys, but you're open to risking being an elder.
1: Well, you told me I had to be. So. Yes, I did.
0: That's, that's right. No, that's, no, that's I,
1: not... That's. I just that's, wanted to make that that's clear. That's not the case, no. Um, we, like some of the other people that have joined here... Um, because of what we went through, we needed time to just sit and do nothing, and Pastor and you allowed us to do that. But it got to a point where I start, started feeling this, you've got to do something, you've got to serve if you're going to stay here. And I started praying like other people have, what do I do, what do I do? And I was asked to do a couple of other things, and I thought, I don't know. Then when Pastor approached me, said, pray about it, I prayed about it and prayed about it, and I really felt that God was saying, this is where I want you to serve here,
0: right now. Yeah. That was very encouraging to me immediately that he took this seriously before the Lord and, and wrestled on it and had peace. And that was encouraging. Last thing, real quick, hopes for harmony. Do you have any hopes for the future My of
1: hopes for this church are the same hopes I had for the church before, that the Spirit of God reigns supremely in this building, that we all surrender to the will and where the will of God is above the will of man.
0: And I want to see that happen. Amen, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a seat. It sounds like a radical idea. Let the Holy Spirit have His way among us. Amen. Um, let me. Can I make a comment? I, I I got a kick out of listening to the audible responses in the room when uh, he talked about. This, this church checking it out at the bottom of the list, and and then we, re, we discovered that it was a church that wanted to live, which I think is the positive. If you're part of this church and have been for a long time and you're offended by that, that you need to die to it. I don't know how else to put it. If you're offended that uh, the reputation of harmony has not been stellar in the community, you need to die to that. And just let the Holy Spirit speak through people. In fact, I came up with a phrase I wanted to teach on. I'm not going to do it today, but I'm just going to teach it for a second. And that's called reconciliatory humility. We all need to carry a spirit of reconciliatory humility. Every Christian can honestly say, If you think I'm a mess right now, you should have seen what I was like 22 years ago. And I'm in process going to a better place in my journey. And so are all of us. And so when we encounter people who've been wounded or hurt or they don't have a positive view of our church, what's the right response? How dare you? No. I can t- Thank you. I can understand that. Please forgive us if it affected you. We're on the journey trying to recover. You want to join us? It's up to you. It's up to you. that makes sense? Okay, that was, that was free, too. I haven't even started my sermon, and I've got like 55 minutes of sermon. You got away with it last week. I'm going to do it. No, I'm not. We got kids downstairs. We don't do that. All right, anyway, I'm going to pray. Oh, your wife was on duty last week. I remember. I heard about that. Okay. I'll never hear the end of it, I'm sure. Anyway, I'm going to pray. And as soon as I'm done praying, you can open your eyes. Because we're going to see a quick video clip. Let's pray. I want to thank you, God, that there is something from your Spirit stirring among us. Lord, pour water on any fire that we have. Any, uh, no, not water. I said that wrong. Pour gasoline on. (laughs) Any fire that we have, any sparks that we have. Lord, we want him, we want a conflagration of the Spirit at work. When 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 fire increases, those who can't take the heat have to get out of the kitchen. And Lord, we ask in Jesus' name for an increase of burning within us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, I want to thank you for those who have been speaking to me and saying, I'm hungry to move ahead. I, I, I don't want to just kind of cruise along. Lord, there's been plenty of that for long enough. We're asking in Jesus' name for the help of your Holy Spirit. I'm asking this morning that uh, we as a congregation may have some uh, increased understanding in the dynamics of your Holy Spirit, the way you work, which is all of your grace. We've been talking about grace illustrated, and we understand that as we, as we sang about this morning, why should he take my sin on himself? I cannot give an answer. It's completely grace. It's because you show kindness to people who don't deserve it, but need your help. Well, I'm going on record, Lord, that we don't deserve it, but we need your help. So today, Jesus, help us. Help us to understand the dynamics of the Spirit that are brought to bear on us, that bring about transformation. We'll thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: courses will foreshadow certain ends. I, I accept it. But if those courses be departed from, the ends must change. Tell me that is so by what you show me. the man I was I will not be the man I must have been but for this visitation why show me this if I am past all hope good spirit your nature intercedes for me and pities me say that I may change these things by an altered life I will honor Christmas in my heart And try to keep it all the year I will live in the past, present, and the future The spirits of all three shall strive within me I will not shut out the lessons that they teach Tell me Tell me that I may Sponge away the writing on this stone oh, Swear me spare me My own room I'm alive (laughs) Thank you spirit I will keep my promise I will live in the past, present, and the future. The spirits of all three will strive within me. Oh, heaven and Christmas time be praised for this. I say this on my knees, Jacob, Marley. on my knees.
0: I didn't remember that part. Everybody know the story? One of my favorites... We're only two months past Christmas, so I think I can still get away with that. Do you think Ebenezer Scrooge would have changed, or would he have died just like his partner seven years early? Without the the dynamic of the spirits. Right. It took four, didn't it? It wasn't just, I mean, thank God we only need one. That's the Holy Spirit. But it took four. It was the ghost of Jacob Marley first, and then past, present, and future, and even up to the last one, he's still resistant and full of himself. He still thinks he's giving the orders. He's still telling God what should happen the way it ought to be. Unless some dynamic force moves in and transformed, left to ourselves, we're in trouble. So I want to talk about a dynamic survey today. My series is Grace Illustrated. Uh, it's not exhausted. How can you ever exhaust it? But I will have to stop it somewhere along the line because you'll all go find another church or something, you know. <laughs> Talking about the dynamic, a dynamic survey. My instruction, I, I had this conversation with our worship team this morning is more didactic. Everybody know what that means? More teaching, point, point, point as opposed to hortative, which is exhortation. When I exhort, I exhort a lot when I preach. Have you noticed? I I try to. Some of you are saying you don't do very well, but I try. And uh, so this morning I'm trying to teach. I'm not exhorting, I'm teaching. If you get exhorted today, it's completely accidental. (laughs) Maybe. But I wanted to use that picture I I thought of several different ones. I even thought of the born identity. Everyone loves those series, right? But nah that wouldn't work as well. This was a great picture of conversion. It really is. A great picture of him having his mind changed. And so what I want to do is take us back a couple of weeks to talk about that one verse that Peter is preaching to his people. After the day of Pentecost had happened and the church is growing, people are getting converted. The disciples are changed. Do you remember they were devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine? What's the apostles' doctrine? Come on, it wasn't a trick question three weeks ago. I know I've been gone a long time. What is it? Thank you. It's this thing here, right? The apostles doctrine to fellowship, the breaking of bread, which was communion and to prayer. All right. They were engaged in that. And the Lord was at work and the Lord was adding daily such as were being saved. Right. That's what was happening. The church was alive. It was vibrant. That's what was happening. So others are watching this and they come under conviction. And the following verse is in the sermon that Peter gives to his people says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Repent, therefore, and return, that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Remember that two weeks ago? And we unpacked some of the words. Let me give them to you quick. Repent is the word metanoia. Have you ever heard of that? Metanoia is I changed my mind. I was thinking that way. I'm wrong. I'm going to turn around and think the other way. Ebenezer Scrooge has been totally self-consumed, heartless, cold, bah, humbug his whole adult life. Until then, his mind changes. He turns around. I'm going to change my mind and go the other direction. Return. Common word, revival term actually, to turn. It's the picture of conversion. This verse actually is a little mini gospel verse. It's a mini gospel verse. How do I become a Christian? When I lead somebody to faith, I have to help them understand that whatever God's word says is true and the way you're thinking may be wrong. I was interacting, my, my daughter's visiting with our grandkids. They're sitting in the front row here almost. And uh, we were talking about how you have to get to the point where the Bible is informing your decision-making rather than your emotions. Or the way you were raised, or it's something that some college professor told you that's completely wrong. Eventually, the scripture has to inform your decision making process. That's how disciples grow. Not you sitting in judgment of the scripture, you letting the scripture sit in judgment of you. It's a big difference. So repent, therefore, and return. Repent means I changed my mind, I was wrong. Turn, that your sins may be wiped away. Isn't that what happens in conversion? That your sins may be wiped away in order that time after time after time after time after time. Boy, you guys, there is coffee out there if you need it. Time after time. Seasons of, that's the good word, seasons of of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It's a mini gospel, if you will. And refreshing comes from the Lord completely on the basis of grace. In a couple of minutes, uh, guys in the back, I'm going to need that little laser thing. I just realized I'm going to need that in a few minutes. But let's go on to the next slide, if we could. This is all grace. We've been teaching on grace, remember? This is Millard J. Erickson's definition out of his theology book, one of the best ones of the last uh, two decades. God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit or worthiness. Everybody get that? Okay, I, I know. People still do that. They, we still make the... I, I think I'm a pretty good person. When I look around the world and I see all these terrible people out there, we tend to think, well, I, yeah, I'm better than that. Well... Yeah, thank you, sir. In a social context, yes. But we all are receiving grace, not on the basis of our worthiness, because you'd never get it. Not getting what we deserve, aren't you glad? But simply according to our need. In other words, he deals with us on the basis of his goodness and generosity. All right, so that's established. We've already looked at this like three or four times. And then the next line goes with it. Grace means that God supplies us with undeserved favors. Here's where I'm going today. The movings, the dynamics of the Spirit of God, that's what we want to talk about. The dynamics of the Spirit of God are because of his grace, not because we'll ever earn it. Because of his grace, the spirit of God puts pressure on humans, whether individuals or corporate clusters of people, like that's called the church, you know, the people of God as they're gathered. Whether individually or corporately, there are dynamics of the spirit that move in on the people of God, those who are going to become the people of God and those who are not. Let me just go through three or four i got to say three or four because there's really three, but there's four. You'll see what I mean when I get there. I've got three points. I'm going to work my way through. Those of you who are note-takers, you can fill in the blanks. The first thing, a couple of weeks ago, I held up a book which got quite a bit of uh, uh, excitement going, uh, The Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, but I like that title and I stole the title and I would have done part 2, but part 2 sounds boring. So I talked about the dynamics of a grace awakening, whether it's individual or whether it's corporate. Regeneration is the first. Anybody know what regeneration is? It's when you're converted. It's what Jesus meant when he said, except a man or woman be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's talking about. Regeneration is when I come to true faith and I'm converted. I'm converted. I turn. That last verse we looked at, return, same way it can be translated, be converted. I think the King James puts it that way. Repent and be converted. Regeneration is a turnaround, and it's because the Holy Spirit invades the person with new birth, which begins a transformational process. I'm going to show us a verse in Titus in just a minute. Um, yeah, hold up one, one second, because I want to introduce it with the way Paul is instructing his followers in Crete. He says, make sure you're behaving nicely he says a little harder than that you know people can can get you know can can, can christians actually become judgmental and crotchety yes the answer class is yes and uh, he's exhorting those people to make sure that their lives are gracious and grace filled and he goes on to say this Now we can see, for we were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived. This all precedes what you're reading, so hold off on reading. We were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hating, hateful, and hating one another. Yikes! That's his description of us left to ourselves. Oh, not us. Oh, yes. You never went to high school. All you have to do is go to high school. You know, all that's true. It is true, right? And I see people become Christians who keep the same toxic spirit on them. And then he says, but something happened, even though that's your background. When the kindness of God, our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Get this. He saved us not on the basis of deeds. You don't earn it which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of what? Regeneration, new birth, and the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration and the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. I think I've said this last time as well, just a reminder we so often, I so often encounter people who are just so sure they've got to clean up this bad habit or they've got to stop this or they've got to do that. Let me start doing good deeds. Let me get involved in, you know, the, the food pantry and then I'll be ready to be a Christian. You'll never be ready. You become a Christian and he makes you ready. Oh, I don't know if I can take it. What? It's an easy one, you promise? Okay. For those of you who are visiting, we do this. They ask questions so that I can answer, so you don't walk out confused. And if he has a question, there are three others of you in the room who have the same question. No, that's the washing of the soul in regeneration, right, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Oh, boy. See, I'm never going to... I got five, three hours of stuff here. But anyway, go ahead. We're going to get there. Yes. It happened in a moment. There was washing and renewing happened at conversion. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. But the renewal continues. So we are getting to renewal. So I'm not not blowing off your question. Here we go. By the way, he finished that. The renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being, get this, justified by his grace. I forgot to tell you, that's on 1194 in your uh, Bible in the chair, if you wanted to look it up make sure I'm not making this stuff up. Justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That dynamic is the first thing that happens to bring you into the kingdom of heaven, to make you a child of God. I don't care whether it's radical, like we saw illustrated with Ebenezer Scrooge, or what happened to Steve, or me, being a wild, hippie, uh, crazy person, or whether you were raised in a Christian home and you grew up knowing all of that. And it's like some people even say, "I, I don't remember the exact time. That's okay, Do do you remember when somewhere along the line, the fact that you received it by grace became reality to you? Doesn't matter what your background is, dramatic or a mild conversion, you must be born again. You must be. You don't inherit heaven because your parents had it or because your uncle was a pastor. That doesn't get you in. You must personally Have the contract with God. Receive that dynamic of the spirit that gives new birth. Now, the next word is reformation. You can use the word renewal because that's what it is. Renewal being renewed. It is the process of sanctification. That's what the Bible calls it, being made holy, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about. In fact, a couple of weeks back, I shared this verse. Let me just show you this again by way of reminder. This verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with an unveiled face, comparing to that story about Moses coming down off the mountain with the veil because his face was shining and freaking everybody out, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed metamorphosis. That's the Greek word, metamorphosis, into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. From glory to glory to glory. There's a process of renewal, of being made more like Jesus. Oh no, we can't be like Jesus You better. How much? I can't control that. Sometimes neither can you. But we are in a process. There should be some evidence that you've gone from point A to point B and that you're growing, moving from glory to glory. Let me say one thing. Oh, I'm going to say more than one thing, actually. (laughs) Backing up to the book, The Grace Awakening, I think the reason it caught everybody's attention was because he started with that great opening paragraph, there are killers on the loose, remember? People who kill joy, creativity. It's He's describing the legalistic, pharisaic Christian. Everything's wrong, nothing's right. Uh, Francis Chan was talking about that. There, you Don't do this, don't do this, don't. And by the way, it's good not to do those things that he was talking about. Very good, because you're harming yourself anyway, and you're dishonoring God. But there's more to that Christian life than just that. And so one of the things he was speaking into was that the image of Christ is not Pharisaic and death-dealing. How many people sitting in this room have been scarred and wounded by Pharisees? You don't have to answer that publicly. How many of us still have remnants of Phariseeism in us? Still loosing it off me. I like that charismatic way of putting it. In the name of Jesus, I'll loose it off me. Yeah, it's out there. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty from that kind of legalism. Wrong. That's making rules that are not God's rules, not principles that are revealed in Scripture that we ought to live by. Having all kinds of ways of judging other people and not really being open handed and compassionate and uh, understanding where they're at. So that's the first thing. The image of Christ is not Pharisaic. So I don't want to be like that. I want to be transformed from image uh, from glory to glory to glory. By the way, it was Rainer that said a while back, if you want a healthy church, it's very simple. All you need is healthy Christians. (laughs) How easy can it get to have a healthy church? We just need a church full of healthy Christians. Christians who it doesn't matter how far along you are, but you're in the process of going from glory to glory to glory. Now I need my little thing. This, This is something we do. And that beautiful artwork. Don't anybody mock me. This is this is as good as I could do working with a program I'd never used before. Uh, the other night, get it in on my screens. But anyway, I've used this little chart with our new Christian class when uh, when we're gathered together and we're trying to explain how growth happens in a believer's life. So I did these little graphs here. The bottom line. Let me let me use that. Where is that dealy hooey? Ah idea? Ah, there it is. This, this way is time, okay? So from the point of new birth here, you're living your life and you're moving forward in time. Simple? This line, look how nervous I am. I need more coffee. Anyway, <laughs> this, let me try that again. <gasps> See why I'm not a... Anyway, that upper line is my spiritual progress, if you will. My growth in maturity, okay? By the way, we have to know this. You have to know this. We never arrive. This side of glory, we never arrive off this chart. I know one of the graphs goes off the charts, but that's because I ran out of maturity bubbles or whatever. (laughs) This side of glory, we never arrive, okay? But here's the deal. There are different ways people. Oh, oh, what did I do? Oh, I did that. That was my bad. All right. Here's the deal. So somebody gets radically converted. They go way up here. And all of a sudden, you know, people are asking them three months after conversion. You want to be an elder in our church? Well, you should be a pastor. We do a lot of that with with rock musicians who get saved and write songs and stuff. And all of a sudden they're the theologians. It's like, ouch. But anyway, little little um, commentary there. You might have picked up on that. Um, it's a mistake, okay? But what happens? Now look what happened to this guy. He's up here, and then eh, eh. I can probably tell you what. I was going to a church, and something happened, <laughs> and I'm done. Actually, you know what I did wrong with that? That, That's the purple line. There's something wrong with that because actually that purple line should actually go this way. It's down over here now. Because that's what happened. You stalled yourself and you're not making progress. You're either making progress or you're really sliding backwards in the Christian life. The red line would be a sample of someone who's had that kind of experience. They're joyfully, you know, the Bible talks about the different so- soils. They joyfully receive the Spirit. They're, they're happy about this salvation. They're excited for a few weeks. They read a few things out of the Scripture, whatever. And then Jesus says, the cares of the world, the pressure of riches, maybe opposition, their family gives them a hard time, whatever, and they stall out, I'm not making any comment on new birth. I think people who've really had new birth can get damaged and miss it. And so they're down here and they're puttering along. Oh, they went to a church meeting. I had a great time that day. Went forward, prayed with the pastor, felt a lot better for about three months. Anybody relate to anything? I'm, not, I'm just insane. Am I insane? It's in weeks, right? And down he goes. And now, here's what I would consider more normal or healthy. A person gets converted. There's an immediate spike. It probably should have been a little higher. Uh, not always, depending on whether your conversion is radical or you were well exposed to it all and finally came to a decision point. You grow and then you grow and you have a little dip and you grow up here. Something really, you, you went to a conference. God spoke to you powerfully, brought you up here. Then, you know, the events of the next week slam, slam, slam. Right? Any, any anybody ever have that happen to you? It's like I thought I made the right decision. All of a sudden, everything's going wrong. How many times does that happen? Now, don't even go there right now. And down, and then you recover because the Spirit of God is striving in you. And you go, all right, enough of this whining. Enough whining. Let's get going. And look, you start growing, and then you have a tragedy hit you, or something. And you, you recover from that eventually and you come up. And anyway, if you don't get the idea, what I'm trying to say is you keep working your way up, up, even with valleys, ups and downs. Notice when you finally get here, you're in this valley here and you're just bumming. You know, I've, I've been at Harmony four and a half years. I've had a few seasons of bumming. Okay. Does anybody love me? Okay, so I've had a few... But guess what? Look at this valley compared to this valley. We totally forget, don't we? You're way ahead of where you were. You see, we keep getting on our own case, right? We keep listening to the devil, who is the one who is called the accuser of the brethren, who sings the Linda Ronstadt theme song all the time. You're no good. You're no good. You know. Hey, it's still a great song, man. It's still a great song. Anyway, everybody get what I'm saying? So you can spike and be a goof. You can let the world run your life and your old ways of thinking because you haven't let the Bible inform your decision making. Which I see. This is not a scientific quote. Eighty percent of Christians doing. Or you can choose to grow progressively, even with the ups and downs. That's normal. Now, here's my question for you this morning. Which one looks like you? Which one looks like you? And what do you want to do about it? That's the question. Because you have a dynamic working for you, you have to be willing to receive that dynamic pressure on you, just like Scrooge finally gave in. It's totally up to you. If you're on the right track, say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Knocking on wood, you know. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. If you're stalled up there and you slid down or you're stuck in the bottom, repent and turn, return in order that seasons of refreshing isn't it better to feel refreshed remember that meant room to breathe like I'm out of, and also ah. can also refer to coming out of the heat of a sauna into coolness oh so wonderful right a healthy church is full of healthy Christians. Where am I on my spiritual journey? By the way, I referenced two weeks ago spiritual dryness. It wasn't Luther, but he's mentioned in it. Spiritual dryness by Walter Trowbridge, a little uh, inner varsity printout they did years ago. Just an encouragement that we all have seasons, including Martin Luther and other big names. <laughs> and some of the uh, the, uh, prophets and whatever. We have seasons where we have those dips, and it kind of seems like I'm on a plateau for a while. And you don't have to beat yourself up about it. You'll pick up again, and it'll keep moving. So, sometimes I think, as believers, we're just hoping that our bad behavior will just go underground long enough that we can get through it. You know, we can get through this. Why not just kill that bad behavior by a dynamic of the spirit? Get on that process and start growing again and see what God does. All right, the next thing, the next dynamic. There's the dynamic of conversion. That's regeneration. There's the dynamic of renewal. That's what we were looking at on that chart. Alright, That's reformation. He's reforming us. That's spiritual formation. It's a bad word today because some spiritual formation people have got off into weird things and people don't like that word. Spiritual formation is simply sanctification. It's the process of becoming like Jesus. But there's a time when we're stuck. If we're like on that chart and we know we're stuck, If I, I did exhort a little, didn't I? If you're in one of those bad spots and you know it's time for a reboot... You need to reboot the computer if you will. That's called renewal or revival, whatever. People use the words interchangeable, but I want interchangeably, but I'd like to talk about that a little. What it is is it gets the believer back to more what we saw happening in Acts. People were excited to be in the word together. They were excited to fellowship together, to worship together. And the Lord was drawing people all the while. Let me show you a definition of revival from Richard Loveless. And you know what? I hate to say this. I'm going to have to put it out another week. (laughs) Revival is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a dynamic of the Spirit which restores the people of God to what? To normal spiritual life after a period of corporate declension. What is wrong with 90% of the churches in America? I'm, that's not a trick question. They're in declension. Some of them are going to close their doors this year. Brother Steve shared about that. You're up against this dying. We're not the lively New Testament type of church that we were supposed to be. The Lord isn't adding daily or weekly or monthly or yearly or decadeally such as are being saved. You follow what I mean? So it's an outpouring of the spirit which restores the people of God to normal spiritual life after a period of corporate declension. Let me take it one more step. Periods of spiritual decline occur in history. I love this line. Because the gravity of indwelling sin keeps pulling believers first into formal apostasy. Anybody remember this? Formal formal religion, and then into open apostasy. I read it wrong. Formal religion. Now, Now I could take you back to the graph and say, where am I? Am I in formality? Am I in a healthy, lively, normal spiritual life? Or am I formal? I'm just doing my duty. I go in on Sunday, punch the clock. We, do, we don't even listen to what the pastor says. You know, we're busy yakking and catching up on everything. And by the way, that's yeah, a whole nother subject. Formal religion, just doing our duty. And then eventually you start to apostatize. What do you mean by that? The word apostasy is to fall away from the faith. So we have churches today that don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. They don't believe that he was born of a virgin. We're not sure that he created everything. We think we're an accident. We think gender's up for grabs. We think immorality is okay. In fact, everything seems topsy-turvy. And when the church endorses that, that's apostasy. And we're not doing our job any longer. We're happy to all perish and let our neighbors perish. A man went through upstate New York a while back. His name was Charles Finney. Anybody ever heard of him? He was wrong on some things. I just want to point it out. I'm right on everything, but he was wrong. on it. Now, that's a joke. I already got rebuked for that once, so that's not true. But my point is, he did have some few odd ideas, but one thing he had a lot of experience with was revival in the church. I just want to read what he says about it, and I'm going to close with that. Because really what I want to ask this morning as far as exhortation is figure out where you are on the graph and decide what you want to do about it. Then, as I finish this, figure out where we are on the graph, spiritually as a church, in light of this graph I'm going to read, and decide what you want to do about it. What is revival, renewal? What is it? I'm to show what it is. This, by the way, was written in the 1800s. I've got this ancient copy. I know you can't borrow it. It is the renewal of the... I love these definitions. It's the renewal of the first love of Christians, resulting in the awakening and conversion of sinners to God. It presupposes that the church is sunk down in a backslidden state and a revival consists in the return of a church from her backslidings and the conversion of sinners. A revival always includes conviction of sin. This is where it starts, on the part of the church. Do you understand that? That's what real revival is. It's not a meeting you set up. It's not mass evangelism. By the way, my spiritual father, Billy Graham, went to be with Jesus this week. I wanted to park on that, but I don't have time. Next week. A revival always includes conviction of sin on the part of the church. Backslidden Christians will be brought to repentance. A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience with God. Isn't that great? He invites you into a new, he reboot the computer anytime you choose. It's up to you. Backslidden Christians will be brought to repentance. Christians will have their faith renewed. While they are in their backslidden state, they're blind to the state of sinners. Their hearts are hard as marble. The truths of the Bible only appear like a dream. They admit it all to be true. Their conscience and their judgment assent to it, but their faith does not see it standing out in bold relief in all the burning realities of eternity. Is there an eternity? Is there a God? Are we going to stand before him? It's like we're on Advil or something. Then, the last thing, a revival breaks the power of the world and of sin over Christians. It brings them to such a vantage ground that they get a fresh impulse towards heaven. They have a new foretaste of heaven and desires for the union with God, and the charm of the world is broken. The power of sin gets overcome. That's not perfection. But there's a break. And then he says this, when churches are thus awakened and reformed, the reformation and salvation of sinners will follow, going through the same stages of conviction, repentance, and reformation. Now, I don't know about you. I can't make that happen. Can you? The only one I know who can do that is the Spirit of God who can bring a dynamic pressure on his people and that's what I think we should be praying for, the Spirit to move in with his pressure on us and on non-believers. Let me just show you this, and I'm, I'm really done. I really am. Can you go to the Zechariah text? Uh, wouldn't you love to lead people to Christ in this kind of context? Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, make believe that's us, and say, Let us go with you, for we heard that God's with you. I don't have to argue, cajole, fight with them. They're like, tell me all about this, God, right now. Okay, get on your knees. Let's pray. How easy could it get? That's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? We need Him to work in us so we can work in them. Let's stand together and we'll be done. Thank you for the patience of your people, God. Thank you that many in this room are somewhere on that graph, growing, struggling. Perhaps today a few have decided it's time to reboot. It's time to get unstuck. It's time to move forward. It's time to do what my, uh, my spiritual dad, Billy Graham, said to an interviewer probably a decade ago. Well, I'm. I, I don't care what everybody else says. What matters to me is that one day I'm going to hear my master, Jesus, say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if that's not real to us, that means we need renewal. I need renewal. Help us, Lord Jesus. Would you lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake? Would you teach us how to pray so that you can move upon us? We need your dynamic at work. Please help us. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. We pray in your great name, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. I'm here if you need to talk.